0: Hello, and welcome to a recording of our PD Summit at Human Restoration Project on endorsing student voice through virtual and hybrid activism. This episode features Inspire Citizens, Out of the Blocks, and Evan Whitehead. And I'm Chris McNutt with Human Restoration Project. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know this content is brought to you by our Patreon supporters, three of whom are Mary Becker, Brandon Peters, and Dylan Wentz. Thank you for your ongoing support. You can learn more about the Human Restoration Project on our website, humanrestorationproject.org, or find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We've attempted to edit this summit as an audio version, but you may find references to content that's on the screen. Please see our show notes for resources or a link to access the video version of this conference. Thank you. All right, well, uh, as we continue to admit people, I'll go ahead and get started and we can do some introductions and kind of go from there. Uh, So welcome everyone. My name is Chris. I work for Human Restoration Project. I'm also a teacher. I teach digital media to ninth graders. And today we're hosting a pretty cool professional development event surrounding virtual and hybrid activism. So talk about how getting students getting involved in activism in our new virtual and hybrid based spaces. And if you're not there, you'll probably be there very soon. Um, So we have a pretty interesting format here. We're gonna start off with some introductions uh, in a second. And then from there, we're gonna go into some breakout rooms. In your email that we sent out, there should be one of three different links to a slightly different video platform based off of your last name. Uh, We can kind of sort that out as needed depending on uh, our numbers. Uh, But make sure you just refer back to that here when we transfer that you know where you're going or else you're going to be left behind. Um, Other than that, there will be a spot for some asynchronous conversations. If you have like any outstanding questions, or you want to connect with people, there's a link at the bottom of that email that will help you out uh, to, to ask those questions. So without further ado, we can just kind of like go around our different presenters here to introduce yourselves. Um, we'll do like Inspire Citizens, then pass it over to Evan, then over to Out of the Blocks maybe, um, and just kind of go through uh, from there. So Steve, I don't know if you want to start us off and then just kind of pass
1: the handle over. Sounds good. Yeah, guys, my name is Steve Sostak, um, co-founder and co-director of Inspire Citizens, although now there's three of us. I don't know, is that tri-director? Um, I'm actually in Chicago right now. I was a classroom teacher for 16 years, taught grade four, six and eight, taught some journalism, taught global citizenship, uh, Chicago. And then I went international uh, to Peru, to Malaysia and to Beijing where Inspire Citizens started. So. Today is going to be a great opportunity. You'll get to know a little bit about the why of Inspire Citizens, and then we're going to kind of transfer that why with Donna, who is our co-director of Global Youth Media, and we're going to look at how we can answer those questions through ethical journalism and um, really like radio activism. So thank you for having me.
2: Uh, Okay, I guess it's uh, out of the block's turn. Yeah, My name is Aaron Henkin. Uh, I'm here in Baltimore with uh, my co-producer, Wendell Patrick, who's on the call as well um and uh we do a um i work at the local public radio station the affiliate here national public radio affiliate in baltimore wypr and uh several years ago wendell and i co-created a a documentary series called out of the blocks um which uh, has got a kind of an unusual premise um and we ended up actually kind of dovetailing with steve and inspire citizens and turning what we do into uh, an educational tool, uh, which we're gonna tell you about in the breakout sessions. But I'll turn it over to Wendell to talk a little bit more about what Out of the Blocks is, what it sounds like and, and, and what it's all about.
3: Yeah,
4: good morning. Uh, so I'm Wendell Patrick and I work with Aaron on Out of the Blocks. Um, and uh, when you listen to the uh, the program, it's, it's really a, an audio documentary soundscape uh, where we make it our mission to meet, And interview every single person on a particular block um, and then to tell their stories Um, and uh, i'm a musician and a photographer and so we also document uh each uh, individual on the block with a a portrait uh, and then i write an original musical score for each episode often using sounds from the blocks themselves uh, as a narrative tool Um, and so we've done um uh about two dozen blocks in Baltimore and we've uh, had the pleasure uh, to travel to other cities as well um, with this particular model and it's been great to uh, bring it to uh, the youth and introduce it to them as a, as a tool to both meet um, additional people and also uh, uh, expand um, their own knowledge of uh, oftentimes their, their own cities. <laughs>
5: So I'm um, um, the Deputy Director of Inspired Citizens. And uh, I guess I would say if my focus is on anything, it's on personal and collective well-being. But um, I'm totally driven by the why of Inspired Citizens that Steve referred to earlier. And so, you know, with him um, and Donna working together on the global youth media element, I'll be speaking to you with um, Evan Whitehead uh, more about what does student activism and student voice look like when we're thinking about the embedding of social emotional well-being. Evan, do you wanna go ahead?
6: Sure. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Evan Whitehead. I'm um, Just started my 23rd year in education, um, my 11th year in Central Office Administration. Um, I'm also a national presenter, consultant, and speaker. Um, my focus um, for the majority of my educational career has been in special education and working with diverse student learners um, as well, and um, you know, for for me, my my why and my mission now has really been the focus on social emotional learning and uh, well being, not just for students but for adults as well. Especially given the time that we're living in, we know that that it's a huge, it's um, huge, you know, idea and it's a thought that we need to focus on. Um, and also, my work, I'm, I'm I'm a mental health advocate as well and pushing for the. Um, you know, educator well-being and self-care as well. So we'll be talking a little bit about that um, during during the sessions.
1: Let's get Donna in there, Donna. Uh,
7: some of you know me, I'm Donna Guerin. Uh, I'm entering my 21st year of ed- in education. Um, I recently joined Steve with uh, becoming co-director of Global Youth Media. And I am really excited to join this group because it does speak to my why, which is all about student voice and uh, amplifying student voice. And so I'm just excited to be here and I'm ready to learn along with you all.
1: Uh, guys, I also want to thank Chris and Nick and, and uh, Linda just for putting this all together. What you guys are all doing is fantastic. So if you haven't checked out, you know, Human Restoration's work, it's it's really really empowering stuff that really gets into the real pedagogy and the shift in where education needs to go. And also, I see, you know, there are a lot of familiar faces here. So I would challenge us as we walk away from this session is to say, what are some next steps that you know we can use to pull out of the blocks and the inspire citizens' work and the work of Kavita and Evan immediately into what we're doing this fall. So let's. While it is informal, let's also think about that idea of like, let's do something with this. Most of you, I think, you know, have a good feel for what Inspire Citizens does in essence of our why. But I do want to just kind of bring it back to that mission because everything we do hopefully is mission driven. And then we'll start to expand into where global youth media fits to that. And then we'll just kind of maybe we can get a QA and a slash, you know, impossible dreams protocol going on how we can start to launch that type of work in our classrooms. Cause I know a lot of you guys are diving in in a couple weeks. So we wanna do everything we can to support you guys. Okay. So let me see if this works. All right, click on that. Can everybody, yep, there we go. You guys see all yourselves now. So I'm gonna flip over back to here for a second. (laughs) So this is just a frame where we're going these were in essence the three questions that we're going to try to walk out of here with some answers for so that again we can you know be ready to roll after walking out of here and we can experiment for the next couple of weeks so that you can work on this with your kids after you guys get your class set up and get everybody feeling well. So, you know, introducing activism, promoting voice like Donna mentioned and that idea of a virtual environment because a lot of us will be starting virtually but also in a hybrid environment, uh, platforms and organizations. So we'll talk about some of those as we unpack some things, including in the out of the box work, obviously. And then that idea of coaching students through process of change. Right. So just so you can see, I this is some a visual that you could take from something like that Simon Sinek, that really famous golden circle podcast, right. Uh, the Ted talk where if you're going to look at Inspire Citizens, our what is we took target 4.7 from the SDGs. You know, we're looking to educate students to become civically conscious and then do something with that, but also linking it to their learning, right? So we're applied learning for active global citizenship and sustainable development. How, that's hopefully what we do, help you guys to do that. And then in the middle, we've identified sort of, a bullet point list of of whys and schools we work with, they'll go sometimes different directions, but really all of these things are interdependent. Wow. Sustainable development, social justice, wellness, social emotional learning, and ethics, right? Everybody can still hear me? We're good. Thumbs up if that's good. Fantastic this is what we call our student impact profile right so again a lot of you have seen this but if you haven't just taking that why and asking kids to really apply their learning to impact change in sort of their personal community local community domestic community or global community right and what we're really going to focus today even though all of these things are important in terms of the how that idea of media makers or design thinking that idea of compassion and empathy, which is so key if you're gonna be immersing yourselves in community and using media to amplify voices, right? But is this concept of how do we do that in a media environment or in a journalism environment in particular? Because that's really a fantastic way to make anything you're teaching an applied learning outcome, right? And lastly, those of you that, again, if you take what we had in the center, and again, we'll send you guys all of this stuff in the chat afterwards. Um, This is our empathy to impact cycle, right? So the elevator pitch on this is what you saw in the middle is ideally what we want kids to start to care more about, right? Again, personally, locally, domestically, nationally, or globally, right? And could be sustainability, ethical discernment. I want to build my character and my intelligence in that realm, social justice and wellness. Where the media component, especially in the virtual component, especially comes in, is this piece of going more deeply into the awareness of our world, our civic world, our civic consciousness, right? And the idea being is that we want to take some of our standards, especially language development, which is happening in any class that we do, and start filtering it through how are we becoming more aware of the things we care about, including our communities? And then what are we going to do with it, that action component? So, again, this we're going to share with you. Every single one of these that has an underline actually takes you to a hyperlink that is sort of our go-to first resource to help kids and teachers unpack those particular elements, right? So that's that should be very helpful for you guys. Okay. Okay. Um, Donna, I'm wondering if we just... This is something that we'll probably talk about within our um, discussion of Global Youth Media. But Donna, do you want to kind of give the elevator pitch on Global Youth Media, and then we can just sort of have a roundtable talk?
7: Sure. So um, I'm uh, not as good as Steve at the presenting portion, so I'm going to try to do my best here and just speak from the heart. But basically, Global Youth Media is... Amplifying student voice through a media lens it is it is all that is inspire citizens, but using that media lens as uh, as a focus. And so we are doing things like photography and videography, podcasting. Um, this this particular slide is actually a really good overview it kind of, puts it all into one, uh, one central location. But on the left-hand side, you'll see in, uh, over there are the different labs that we're going to be offering. And so out of the blocks is getting students um, out into their neighborhood uh, to interview people on the street and uh, that storytelling component, just getting to know your local community. And uh, being able to craft those follow-up questions, which are so important. Uh, Photobomb is our street photography. We've already been in touch with uh, several experts in the area that do this for a living. And so I'm really excited about this just to get that into the classroom and use photography as storytelling. Uh, Debate for Impact is really awesome. Um, I actually had a chance to do this, uh, and Julia actually joined us this past spring virtually, and it was really amazing just to have the students be able to not just debate on a topic and just, uh, you know, who who won the debate and who gets the blue ribbon, per se, but it was more about getting students involved and really engaging them in active listening
1: and I think really quick, i want to jump in on this one, guys, because we know right now, especially in the States, that we're so polarized with the way that we are, uh, you know, divided into, you know, politically, but also in the way that we interact with each other online. Um, and the adults don't model very good behavior for the, for the kids, right? So getting them to move from this concept of understanding two sides of an argument or two sides of an issue, and then actually giving some tools to move forward in action Uh, that compromise, mediation, et cetera, so that they actually, again, the the goal with anything with Inspire Citizens is to move the needle, to do something with the learning that is going to be a positive piece, you know, towards your community or towards yourself, right? So I think this is a really powerful one. We've done this in China with really great success. Donnie, you want to talk about this one?
7: Oh, sure. Uh, so this one, is we're calling it sound waves. It's basically taking a walk outside with your microphone and just the importance of sound. So, um, you know, a few things that we've talked about is just, you know, listening to nature and um, we've talked about uh, using sound in and out of context. I know I've done that myself with my own students where you have them uh, record sounds and then they come back and, When it's out of context, just um, they're not able to ascertain what the actual sound is. So uh, just using those sounds on the street and the importance of that.
1: And when you're podcasting that idea, there is a tech component to it, right? Even ideally, we could, you know, we do a lot of this work with people that just have a phone, right? So how are we utilizing and getting to know the tools that we have in ways that we could still capture those sounds, so that they're audible and that they they're telling them setting the tone that we'd like. Um, and it's just a great way. Also, I think it's a great way for wellness and that idea of reconnecting with nature and space and even silence, which I'd like to even add to the slide is this idea of like, how do we record silence and allowing for those breaks for certain moments, you know, in our recordings to, you know, bring that heaviness or that chance to breathe, which I think is also really important. Donna?
7: Uh, This is one of my favorites. We're calling it Culture Shock. But um, we are really looking to have a a platform so that students from around the globe can all uh, have a place where they can discuss things. And so we've talked about doing roundtable discussions with students from around the globe on just things that they're passionate about. So, for example, maybe... Let's just take basketball for example. So, uh, you know, they're just going to have a group of students from all around the globe, and they're just going to talk about hoops and what it looks like in their country, and just have a place where they could share um, share their uh, more about their country and their culture, and developing that compassion
1: yeah and guys this picture is actually we use, we actually bring out of the block sometimes two schools that we work with internationally so this is them in seoul south korea but the picture says a lot you've got wendell you know a black american and you've got aaron you know and 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 this idea of their bringing their unique culture and their unique experiences from their past and 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 their diverse you know, voices and the things that they do to Seoul, which is a really shocking place, right? So um, the fact that out of the blocks, who goes into all of these fantastic city blocks in the States, coming to Seoul and then utilizing their experiences to teach kids and to, you know, provide these immersive experiences. So the key word there is an idea of immersive, right? And um, I think it's just a really uh, fantastic way that you can still do it virtually, whether it's through photography, or just doing something like we're connecting classroom to classroom experiences. I just lost that. I'm sorry, guys. Last couple, Donna. Uh,
7: This one, of course, uh, for those of you who know me is near and dear to my heart as music is everything for me. Uh, But this one we're talking about doing tiny classroom concerts. So allowing students um, a way that they can share their music and, uh, writing their music or sharing their music. Uh, Also the importance of keeping the arts and music in the curriculum. So learning about different genres of music and also unpacking lyrics of uh, different music and also um, using it as a way to amplify voice for activism. So uh, I know I did with my own students where we unpacked um, Sun City which was a little Stephen and how he used that um, album and to create awareness for Sun City and just the power of music
1: and here you can see this is uh, Robbie from Bali so again this idea of you bringing a Balinese musician and activist he's very much into environmental justice this was my actually my classroom that I had turned a corner of it into an actual live studio. And then the students could bring in musicians or artists to share their stories. They would interview them and then we would actually publish that. Again, that's something you can still do virtually if we can connect your students to artists and or musicians, which we can help you do. Last two. Uh,
7: This one is called Word Splash. And so this one we're talking about um, the spoken word and how important that is and also the elements of poetry. So we're talking about slam poetry uh, again, just the importance of the spoken word and uh, integrating that into media.
1: And here you also see radio drama where we have kids. I know like my daughter is a huge theater fan. So she's been really pretty down about not being able to do a live play this pat- or the- coming into the fall necessarily. So how do we teach screenwriting and the idea of voice and radio drama is such a powerful medium as well. And we really took the idea of impossible ideas from TED Talks. We know that a lot of schools are using TED Talks, but then the question is, are we using them well? And are we really teaching the arts of the creating the visual to support, you know, that deep thinking and the expression needed in a, in a persuasive TED Talk? Lastly. Uh,
7: the last one is play-by-play, which is documentary filmmaking. So uh, myself, I've actually had a connection with... Um, a gentleman named David Fidel, and he, um, he does documentaries. And so we're looking to uh, possibly let students um, unpack documentaries and then uh, be able to interview experts and find out a little bit more about what goes into documentary filmmaking. And personally, I'd like to see this one um, actually cross over with the music one and uh, perhaps do like hometown documentaries where you can talk about music and the importance of music in your own hometown.
1: Awesome. So that, guys, that just gives you a little bit of an overview. Um, One last component, and we'll send you this too, is as you're teaching your kids, just like you would in a reader's or writer's workshop, you want to make sure that we have those ideas of mentor examples, right? So if we're going, that's one of the reasons that we, you know, partnered with Out of the Blocks was if we're going to take kids into the neighborhood, Let's get the expert in the room. Let's get out of the blocks to help us unpack their, you know, their fantastic podcast. And then it allows the students to see, you know, what where they could, in theory, go with this and, and be creative. Obviously, kids want to innovate from things. But remember that innovation is also taking something that already exists and finding your own way to utilize that uh, in your context, right? So this is just something of when we deconstruct, you know, like if we were using a mentor text, we're going to go through these five components this is actually from the center for media literacy just put it into a pretty poster and then as we're constructing we're thinking about those same things so that again this ties back to formative assessment if kids are creating a piece of media they should be able to intentionally discuss what they were trying to do as authors what is their format in terms of why they chose the format they did who is their audience what do you want your audience to get out of that the content and the themes and the tone etc and then that purpose piece of really realizing that for us in global youth media, a lot of our purpose is advocacy and awareness and really moving the needle on sustainable development. But also there's purpose in media that's driven by power structures and profit, profit motives. So again, getting kids into that type of thinking can be really, really critical. So I think that's sort of the fast pitch. Let me stop sharing my screen for a second and get everybody's faces back here. Can everybody see are we back to normal faces Mm -hmm. all right so I'm just gonna throw out the first question really quickly and maybe you guys can talk a little bit about whether it's questions you have but you know how are we going to promote you know this idea of virtual activism coming back in the fall because I think you know part of that activism piece I'm gonna throw at you guys is also we're in the middle of a pandemic still, right? We're in the middle of a reckoning with, you know, um, systemic racism. How is it that we want to transition back to the classroom for that healing piece and then really empowering change because we are definitely at a crossroads, right? Anybody want to start? Julia, you're always so good to get us started. What are you thinking?
8: Right on. Um, So many things. I'm so inspired. So let me, Let me ground one of them. Um, I know my vision includes looking at like radical self care as the foundation of activism, that we must take care of ourselves, that oxygen mask, that we have to take care of our own vision of the world, what we need in the world in order to truly activate ourselves in the world. So I'm looking to help my kids. Kind of make some sense of where they are, get a vision of where they want to go, um, kind of identify those places inside themselves that they want to activate. um, So they get to create like that personal activism point, too. So not just personal passion with projects, but like personalized action plan. But what part of you do you want to activate to become an active member of our what's happening right now? Um, So radical self-care, radical self-awareness. And then I am looking to everything out of the box, everything you're working with, Donna, to really become not just the platform and the framework for that activism, but I wanna collaborate. I wanna collaborate with classrooms around the world. That's, I think, the magic part of of what you're doing here with Inspire Citizens. You're creating a launch point so that we can activate our kids in a way that we're able to create that, that grid, that connecting the dots of not just classrooms around the world, but activists around the world. Like, who are we? What do we stand for? It doesn't matter how old you are. What do you want to activate in you so that you can make a difference in what's happening right now? And so you can understand what's happening right now. I just want to say, then,
1: yeah, let's get Abby. And then I want to get Clancy in too, because I want to hear a little bit of his context.
9: Really quickly, I just want to say that um, I love the piece, that piece, Julia, because I think that I mean if I look at just the way the past 4 or 5 months have impacted me I have felt it's it's impacted me in a sense that I have been paralyzed I haven't been able to tap into a source of energy and motivation it's just like I'm it's something scrambled what drive I had before quarantine has scrambled and I know that kids may be feeling similar similarly And I think that the activist part or taking those action steps really is about, is is healing because you go from being this passive position of what's been happening to me, things are happening to me, to then taking action and, you know, moving forward through that and becoming empowered. I think that's really part of the healing.
1: Clancy, you want to give us a little, and I see Ricardo's over here too. So Clancy, you want to? Give us a little about who you are, where you're at, and tell us uh, your thoughts.
3: Uh, my name is Clancy Emanuel. I use he, him, his pronouns, and I'm from New Haven, Connecticut. I just finished my first year of teaching. I was a software engineer for three years, and I have I graduated <laughs> with a degree in electrical engineering before that. So I'm a little bit all over the place. Um and I teach at a private school, so sixth grade is still in the elementary school, um, and it's the highest grade at the school. So it's eleven and twelve year olds, and um, <clears throat> I'm coming at it from a perspective of having only recently been engaged in activism myself, so. The combination of being new to that and 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 being new to teaching and not understanding always what's developmentally appropriate for kids, um, that's something that I'm trying to be really cautious of, and also still wanting to bring that energy into the classroom. So I have a co-teacher, and she's been at the school for eight or nine years, and she's lovely, and we're talking frequently about what the plan is because, like, if we have face shields and masks and like all this stuff, how are we gonna? Are we gonna build a community if we can't be really close to one another and like how are we gonna teach math if we can't <laughs> it's a it, it's a it's a big old mess. So we're trying to just be slow and uh realistic about heading in. And um yeah I think I like I said I think the thing for me is that in my situation I can go to a protest, I can throw myself on the line, I can do this or that. Um and I need to like figure out how to, like I said, bring that energy to the classroom in a way that's developmentally appropriate and doesn't just like yeah. accelerate things too quickly for the kids. Or, yeah, just that's where I'm at.
1: I was, first of all, that makes a lot, of, and really quickly, the group that's here, you've got a lot of fifth grade and sixth grade teachers. So definitely connect with everybody here. A quick side note too, is in that empathy to impact. I know I shared it really quickly, but in that action part where it says things like, creative expression for, um, you know, advocacy for participation. It doesn't have to be something where you're sending your kids out to the streets, right. For example. And that, but I, but, but you know what I mean? I think sometimes even when I started in this type of work, that idea of activism is sometimes I think even that word in and of itself, when I work in China, I can't use the word activism, right? So it's that that becomes a very threatening word for a lot of people. And we'll talk about that in a minute too, but we'll send that to you. It'll give you a lot of very, you know, ideas of ways that can really, I think, not only bring kids together, but give you a lot of pathways for for ideas, right? So, cool. Ricardo, talk to us about who, where are you at, man? And, um, and just tell us about your story and, and your thoughts.
10: Oh, sorry, were you talking to me? Yes. <laughs> Hi there. Um, I am Ricardo, born and raised in Panama. So I was looking forward to the presentation at the TRI Association.
1: And We're coming in 2021. It's still on, but we're yeah. pushing back a year. Yes,
10: um, so I'm a, a Spanish teacher, and um, I've been working with PBL, but more focused to PBLL, Project-Based Language Learning, and we've been using a different uh, framework, so I was very interested with the one you were showcasing. And other than that, um, I just moved back to Panama after working in New York. So I was there introduced to the SDGs and worked pretty hard. I incorporated that into project-based language learning, um, and looking for opportunities, uh, especially I was at a, an IB school where, you know, part of CAS and all of this, you know, students had to go out and, uh, fulfill 30 hours of community service per year. Um, so it was very, uh, so I, I I still look forward to um, creating more. I, I do resonate and follow with um, what Julia had mentioned about um, like during this time, during this current impasse is to actually look out to uh, online groups and classrooms around the world to connect and try to make this uh, virtual connection at some point, because I think this is going for the long run. And the other thing I would be interested, um, being an international teacher, uh, I taught in the U.S. for seven years, for 10 years, well, no, yeah, 10 years, then seven years in the Middle East, in Oman, and uh, if the borders get to open, I'll be making my way to Shanghai, Slightly not to SAS. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. Yeah, we're so I'm in. I'm based in Beijing, and we work in Concordia and Shanghai a lot, so we'll Definitely connect once that happens, but um, fantastic to meet you. Donna, do you want to talk briefly about how we saw this idea that global youth media is a great way with like to start connecting world language teachers, but also amplify and the way we're looking at, I don't know if you know the WIDA standards. Do you know the WIDA standards, Ricardo? It's It's mostly for English as a second language learners, but we're actually looking at using WIDA standards to support language learners and help world language teachers see that PBL can be a way for more immersive learning, right? And Donna, briefly, do you want to talk a little about what you were doing?
7: Sorry, Uh, we we just thought like how powerful would it be if we could connect uh, world language teachers to have real authentic experiences? So for example, if you're teaching Spanish, like how cool would it be to connect with a sixth grade classroom in Spain or in Mexico and have them, you know, um, there's, the possibilities are really endless. I mean, they could do roundtable discussions, they could do mini newscasts, they could do TED Talks, but have them have that authentic piece where they can actually connect with people that are of that culture uh, and really be immersed in the language. And so we just think for world language in particular, this would be an amazing opportunity just to build those language skills and also have that authentic audience piece. So you should definitely, um, we should definitely follow up with you because I think you'd find that to be a really great experience just to connect those classrooms.
1: Yeah, I'd love to get Clancy connected with everybody. And Ricardo, we also are working with a group in St. Louis, a sustainability coordinator at a school there that's also a Spanish teacher and the head of the World Language Department. So let's get that connected as well. Clancy, you wanted to add something?
3: Um, I actually had a a question and it might, I'm not sure how well it fits into this line of conversation, but what I'm wondering is my connection. Okay. Right now. Can you hear me? Okay. Um, What I'm wondering about is there seems to be a lot of like outward conversation going. And I'm wondering if you could talk also about like the inner work of like answering the question, like who am I or, and like identity um, exploration with the kids, if that's part
1: of that make sense? Most most definitely. And let me show you quickly two things because we're, then we're gonna be moving here. But I, this was part of what I wanted to share as resources, right? So, and I'll put these again, these will be follow-ups. So here, for example, is Teaching Tolerance. I don't know if you've seen Teaching Tolerance. They have some really wonderful social justice standards, but you notice how they speak with identity first, right? So it's really that who am I question first, and if you can, you know, link those to the types of, you know, media or work you're doing it can be really powerful. And then you move into diversity, justice, and action. Another one that I use a ton is from this VIA character organization of looking at, you know, what are my, what are my sort of ethical components? And the, the really, the beautiful thing about this is again, you hover over this and they work as I can statements, right? So again, if I'm bringing this into a media, I can utilize this type of meta language then to connect those pieces of um, how this is exemplifying this type of maybe character trait or myself, or also identifying the stuff that I might want to enhance, you know, in terms of like growth, right? Last one, that's a really good one is from, this is from Emory University in the Dalai Lama. They put together this type of framework and they have statements in a whole language built around this, but you can see, again, they start with that personal component of attention and self-awareness to the self compassion for the self and unpacking, you know, that component first before you start building into more of a interpersonal awareness realm, right. And social realm. And the thing I love about them too, and this is where the sustainable development goals and stuff starts to kick in is then you get into that idea of systems thinking and how it, how all of this is really interconnected. Right. So a lot of this, right, really depends on how you want to sort of approach the meta language, I think, with your classroom. I would say, you know, for me, I've been using all of those frameworks for a long time, and I kind of can now know how to pick and choose and bring certain ones in at the right time. But thinking about maybe choosing one of those, and then I always say, if you link them to the sustainable development goals and targets, for example, this I just stopped sharing my screen. This here, which a lot of our team knows, but I just want to show you, at the global goals, right? So for example, here, then I can click on this and it's really helpful because this takes me down to the target level, right? So a big one that I use, for example, with my students a lot is this idea of how am I promoting voice, not only my voice, but maybe the voice of an underserved community, in this case, globally women, but like, what does that look like locally or in my own community, maybe my own school, or maybe my own family, right? And you know those can be really powerful ways to start that, you know that idea of making that move from the, the the internal to more of the local and global, right? And Julia, you were talking a lot about that. Do you want to add on?
8: I think you I think you hit the nail on the head. I really um, it's just about like that 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 framework to build voice and activism in kids from the inside out. And the outside in, so they're they're not just making sense of the world around them, using the SDGs as that launch point, but they are grounding them. They are like owning them inside themselves. So they're they're accessing their own activism points, their own, as you said, um, Clancy, like that that identity. Like, what is it in you that you want to bring out right now, and how does that connect to what's happening in the world?
1: Clancy, does that does that make sense? If we send you some of those things too, will that be
3: helpful? Yeah. For, I mean, I wrote down the links too. The Emory University one, I couldn't like jot down
1: the link enough, but um, it's yeah. It's called, called the CSEE, Social, Emotional, Ethical, Learning Companion. The companion is that PDF piece, and I would recommend you zip in through that. But again, often what I'll do is I'll take a lot of these groups create resources that can be great launches in terms of like doing a one-off in your class. But I try to find ways to embed that language into the culture of the class. Right. So it's just a little play between that and stuff. So Abby, what about you with that internal piece or that identity piece?
9: Well, I'm kind of taking that in and I think that um, the work that I've done last year with my uh, girls group, Uh, And SDGs was really powerful, and then it kind of got. uh, We got we didn't get to actually have the follow through with the campaign we were doing at our school uh, because of leaving school in March. But um, the idea of of like what Julia was saying of our students being able to personalize and make and see something in their local communities, not just the Uh, SDG target point applied to a global sense, but actually really narrowing the focus and bringing it into our own backyard is extremely powerful. And after some of our conversations, Steve, that's how I started. That's really how I was my entry point into this work.
1: Yeah. And we utilize Clancy a lot, the word local, right, where it is trying to connect. But I, I really think you're that, that personal identity piece. And you got two people that just entered the room that are fantastic with that, with Evan and Kavita. So um, I'm going to pass the sort of the mic to them. So y- you guys are staying. Donna and I are going to change at uh, the top of our thing to Human Res 2. But we can continue this, like, whatever you need, man, just from Twitter or anybody, Ricardo, please contact. I want to get a hold of you before you go to Shanghai or if you're in Panama. And um, Donna, we have to move.
11: Hey Steve, can I have a, a real quick request? Yeah, can I have you post in the chat that that link to the uh, that SEE uh, framework from Emory? Of um of Because of I was just having a hard time finding that particular diagram. Um, yeah. I was able to find the the website and some of the materials okay, but I couldn't find that exact one. And I thought that really captured.
1: Now, you want me to put it in the main chat? Is that what we're looking for?
11: Um, uh, if you could just put it in here and then maybe, uh, I could, I could jump it over into the main chat too when we get done with it, but it
1: sounds good. Donna, do you want to make a move to room two and I'll be there in a second,
11: but thank you both so much for this one. All right.
5: So hi, everyone. Um, so you, obviously, I introduced myself um, earlier when we were in the Google Meets room. And I think, yep, I've got Evan in here with me too. So um, so it's great to, to be here in the room with you. Um, we've got about 19 minutes together now. So so um, I'm going to sort of go ahead and, and share with you the kind of angle, I guess, that Evan and I are taking with um, the, the key questions have been put forward by um, the Human Restoration Project and and sort of really uh, talk about how we're going to approach this work that we're we're doing together today. Um, But Evan, I wonder if you wanted to say anything, share anything from the previous group or anything like that.
6: So I think, you know, that as we as we go through this work um, and we in kind of our session today, you know, really. Do some self reflecting and in terms of some self awareness. Because a lot of the things that we're going to discuss in the journey that we're going to take has to do about, you know, starting with ourselves. Right. And even though we want to, we're talking about how can we um, Support our students. But the main thing is that we have to be in that space to do that first before we can expect that from our students. So, you know, as we talk about some things, you know, especially specifically when I'm modeling And creating creating an opportunity so the students can see what we're doing, but also um, safety um, is something that we're going to talk about as well, because um, with everything going on in the world, we want to make sure that we are doing things to build um, a climate of safety for discussions and also for students to be to feel free to become advocates for themselves and to speak up and to have that voice. Um, And oftentimes, as educators, we forget about that. Um, We kind of think that we own the classroom or the building that we work in, but we forget that we're there, and that and that and all that space is provided for the students first and foremost.
5: Thanks, Evan. Yeah. So um, I think uh, Steve had asked me to speak a little bit to community, and so we'll get into that in just a moment. But sort of segueing so uh, more directly off what Evan just said, you know. One of the things about creating a safe space is, you know, promoting student voice to, to do that. But then in terms of the student activism, we want to extend that to creating a brave space, right? Somewhere where they really can own the ability to be active and, you know, create opportunities for them to, to really sort of speak out for themselves, as Evan said, you know, starting with self. And then extending that out to the unsung voices, the unheard voices of the community, which can really think about, um, you know, this idea of, okay, when we're talking about the unheard voices, it can be literally the planet, meaning you know the animals, the plants, you know the the wildlife element, but also those communities that you know need need some um, promotion, some some sort of idea that you know really okay on this digital platform maybe they don't have as much access as we all do you know maybe there are some equity issues that are underlying and uh you know really sort of preventing them from being a- activists for themselves so um what we decided to do Evan and I is to really have this time with us as as interactive as possible and so in the chat I've put a padlet um that I'm hoping that you all can access um And rather than creating a new one with each room, I've sort of decided to keep it going. And you know, sort of you can read some of the the things that people in the other rooms have added and then add your own. So the invitation for the first sort of four to five minutes is just to look at the first two columns initially and really think about what is your definition of student voice? What is your definition of promoting activism? So, you know, I'd invite you to go through a bit of a sensory experience, you know, what will it look like? What will it sound like? How will it feel as an environment for yourself? You know, Um, when we asked some grade 11 and 12, they took it to another level in terms of their poet, poetic sort of metaphors for what it would also smell like, what it would also taste like. So Feel free to get as creative as you like in expressing your voice as to
8: what you understand student voice and promoting activism to be. Um, I just love, I love being able to shout out when you see something and it really like sparks you. So can we make it extra interactive and as we're looking, be like, whoa, check that out. I love that. And then just tag on. Is that okay, Kavita? I would love that. Julie, you don't even have to ask. Just do it. Just do it. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. <laughs> right
5: on <laughs> thanks
8: Evan
5: I don't see any naysayers in the room right now no. so <laughs> and thanks for the right thanks on. for the um, praise Nick I appreciate it <laughs> do as do as we say right do as we say
8: <laughs> right on well then I'll start I just I love um for me especially someone who really values the art of language, it's powerful for me to speak the words that I'm feeling or speak the words that I see mirroring one of my thoughts. So to have created a platform here where we're able to share with each other like vocally and type um, and like get a note down on a padlet that I'm gonna be able to look at in the future is a super powerful tool. it especially allows for those kids who are more like reflective, like every kid gets to experience their own education, their own sense of activism in their own way. And I have kids who are amazing writers. I have kids who are willing to stand up and do slam poetry. So I just appreciate the openness of this particular activity and your, I guess, vision for how to create that, internalized sense of activism that is able to reach outward.
6: You know, I, that's Thank such,
8: you a, so much.
6: such a great point, you know, because, you know, you hit on a lot of topics right under that umbrella of self-awareness, right? Knowing, knowing our strengths, knowing what we're good at, knowing what we're, how we're able to, you know, express ourselves and understanding that, you know, that's okay. If it's different than someone else. Um, but, and also utilizing different, different forms of media to do that. Um, and I think that's, that's so important that we have that understanding um, and we create that and help our students understand it about themselves um because it also provides them that sense of self-esteem to be able to have the confidence to go out and do some things and be and be that that um that activist and have and be very very um self-advocating for themselves as well and knowing what they need and knowing what they want and how to
1: get there
8: So agree and hopefully no one minds that I just keep piping in I actually am thinking about creating like sentence stems for kids like Mm
4: -hmm. That whole
8: vision of radical self-care. I know that a lot of my kids don't have the language they need to express What they're feeling or what they I say to them. Hey, what do you want to activate? They're gonna look back at me like what are you talking about? right, so (laughs) if I provide them some sentence stem and actually teach them the language of wellness, like it's yes. math, like it's Portuguese, like it's a different language <clears throat> because we, we don't, I'm going to backtrack. We're not as good at that, at doing that in schools yet. So I just, I really feel like we need to teach them the language of self care, wellness. Yes. And, and as Clancy was saying, just, Identity, who are you on the inside? You know, you may be wearing a physical mask on the outside, but what other masks did you put on during this pandemic? And which ones are you ready to grow out of? Where else are you wanting to go? Have you seen Ashanti Branch's um, masks project, Julia? His name is Ashanti. Yeah, I, I love that concept Yes. Who we are. You know, yes, I love it. And then world-facing <laughs> mask, great points. Yeah. But how, how crazy, ironic, but not because it's all with perfect timing. We're literally putting on masks right now. Yes. Like every kid's going to have a different mask. Yes. And we get to use that as a way to activate a different lens and, and a different self-understanding and self-awareness. It's, there's so many gifts all along this path. It's, it's insane. It's so crazy.
5: I love that attitude, Julia, to, to see everything that's happening as an opportunity, right? An opportunity to deepen your relationship with your students. And that's really sort of, um, you know, a big driver for everything I do, as you all know, those of you that know me in the room, <laughs> that like, it's all about relationships. It's all about, okay, how can I get to know you a little bit better? Like, you know, what is your why? What is, you know, what gets you going? What are you excited about? All of this kind of thing. And and also, Helping and supporting to, as you say, have the language to talk about it. You know, to be able to sort of take something that you say and then develop it further. And 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 I love the embedding of social emotional um, language in everything that you just said because, you know, as our students come into the classroom, you know, wearing these masks potentially in the hybrid sort of uh, setup, you know. Some will be wearing, you know, masks that they've designed for themselves and some will be just wearing the surgical masks. And, and, you know, what does that say? What does that mean? How are they feeling about it? You know, and being able to connect with them on that level will be so important, I think, because, you know, and again, I know that a lot of you have heard me say this before, but what a way to make the students feel seen. You know, what a way to make them feel like you're hearing them and most importantly what a way to make them feel valued because just by being there you've really seen them you know you've really considered their voice and really given it value and i think you know again that's something that's really important in the current climate with you know the black lives matter movement and things like that as well because unfortunately you know that's where we need to start having some of the safe and brave conversations what value are we giving to another. So I am having a look at the Padlet and seeing some great ideas coming up. So um, we officially have another seven or so minutes in this room. So I wonder if I can invite you all to sort of start thinking about the technicalities around what we're doing and maybe add some platforms, some organizations that you come across that you feel are really going to support uh, promoting student voice and introducing activism. Um, there's already some ideas on there and feel free to add questions, you know, to really think about that. Um, I'm sure that Donna and Steve spoke to, you know, podcasts and <clears throat> other sort of forms of communication that are widely used um, you know in this time to to really sort of open up voice and so you know feel free to add some of those on there Um, but I am also going to sort of go straight into looking at the coaching Mm -hmm. and really thinking about how are we going to be proactive in coaching those students to use those platforms so you know once they listen to it what are they going to do next? And how are we going to provide that framework of questioning to say, OK, whatever we invite you to interact with, let's reflect on how it's changed you. And then let's ask you, what are you going to do about it? Um, and I'm sure that my friend Evan is just laughing at me because he is known for saying that to me, that like when I get upset about something, the question I get asked is,
6: So what are you going to do about it, Kavita?
5: So, so, um, yeah, (laughs) I invite us to do the same for our students.
11: (laughs) Can I chime in for just a second, too? Is that okay? Okay. Yeah. Um, So so one thing that I'm thinking about, like, just putting my my HRP hat on, you know, in terms of planning Mm -hmm. professional development, a lot of times we have to think about, um, and we prompt teachers to reflect on what are those barriers that are preventing you in your context, be they real or imaginary, because so often some of the barriers that we have aren't actually barriers because we don't bother to test them, uh, we don't bother to push up against them, and so we don't know that they're real until we actually try, um, but but one sort of way I think that these frameworks help us overcome those real and imagined barriers is, is that you know in in a sort of standards-based world kind of thinking about the the realpolitik of you know curriculums and schools is i mean there are so many different frameworks that we can connect any of this work to right teaching tolerance sdgs steve in the previous group just linked to some um SCE frameworks and universal I've, I've, i had a youtube video pulled up of it universal values Um, You know, so there's not just one set of standards that we all have to be beholden to. So there is great appeal for me right as someone who thinks from that that PD lens and trying to help teachers overcome those barriers is, well, how can we use these frameworks as a way to convince um, administrators and curriculum directors to see curriculum differently. And that maybe has a trickle-down effect on what we can do in our classrooms. If we can connect um, uh, an activity to a different set of values and standards, we can really sort of push the pedagogy um, in a in a positive direction. So that's just a reflection that I kind of had looking at the different platforms and organizations there on on the padlet too. Thank you so
5: much. I appreciate that um because, I think you're right that, you know, it's about how we use the tools. And, and you know, one of the things that Evan and I discussed this morning is how do we make sure that when we're thinking about the use of technology, it's not as a replacement for pen and paper? You know, <laughs> like, how do, we, how do we really lift up technology to become a tool for activism? And, you know, some of the ideas that we thought about were things like, you know, really sort of making sure that when we're engaging with things like that, um, you know, we're really sort of using it to share out, but doing that in a responsible way. And again, I'm sure that Stephen Donner Donna sort of touched on that a little bit, you know, that the thoughtful consumption of media, the responsible production of media. Um, and then also, you know, as we said earlier, empowering others with their voice, you know, with their sort of absent voices, you know, not being in the room sort of thing, um, thinking about, you know, what what's important to the students and, using our position of influence in a positive way and and you know some of those ideas have come from you know one of our good friends from our twitter pln and um, george Kuros. and so you know i'd invite you to check him out as well as an organization um i'm not sure if anyone's put him on the padlet yet but but you know there's there are a lot of good ideas as to how we can do exactly what you were just describing so thank you for that
3: Oh, also, I have another question, so I'm, I'm noticing that there are a lot of people who already know each other and I don't know a single person in any of these meetings, and I hear you saying, I hear you saying which I'm excited about, I'm not like, oh, for me, it's just like, um, there's a lot of, like, language and, um, no, like, w- wording going around that I'm unfamiliar with, so I was wondering if somebody could fill me in on what's your why, where's that come from?
5: Sure. Um, so, for myself or for others?
3: Uh, just the general language, like I can kind of intuit, but I'm wondering if there's like a deeper framework that exists that, sure. that is part of, that I'm unaware of.
5: Right. So, um, for myself, um, my personal why is to be the best me that I can be for the benefit of others. Um, and so how that shows up is to really think about, okay, what does it mean to be well within myself and how to model that to inspire others. And to that end, I've become the deputy director of Inspire Citizens. So you met Steve and Donna. Um, Steve being, you know, like at the beginning, he was like, well, there's three of us. I'm number three. <laughs> so, so you know, so and uh, John is, uh, Donna's just joined us for the global youth media sort of arm of Inspire Citizens. So, um, so that's me, I guess. Um, I wonder if anyone else wanted to join and sort of explain their why.
8: <laughs> I'll jump in. Surprise. Um, <laughs> So Clancy, I think in addition to asking specifically about personalized whys, I think you're asking about the language of the why um, and that's Simon Sinek. Like everything points to Simon Sinek. I just dropped the link in the chat. Um, he's the one who Steve started with earlier with the circles and it had the why in the middle and then the what and the how, um, which is a perfect transition to what Nick was actually asking. Like, how are we gonna get all of this into our classrooms? Um, I think that's the key right there. I think as soon as we start having conversations and now we're having to have those conversations with not just our kids in our classrooms about their why, like helping them access their why, but we're, we're getting to talk with them about, okay, so let's look at this from a systems perspective. That's SDG work. Here's a framework. Here's a system for understanding the world. Technology is a tool so that you can access that system. So we're actually kind of, framing our learning with kids in a different way. Um, And that why, how, and what I think that's that target image is what can help kids zero in on how they fit in the world. It helps them understand their own access point for the system, the learning, I would say the pedagogy for me, but I think that's what we're, that's the bigger, why question I thought you were asking.
5: Thanks, Julia. Um, Just a sort of administrative thing. Um, Evan and I uh, need to move to the other room in two to three minutes. So, um, you know, please feel free for everyone to continue the conversation. Um, But, uh, yeah, we'll be sort of moving into the next room soon. But it was so great to see you all.
8: (laughs) Thanks,
11: Camille. Bye. That was great, evening. Thank you, Evan. Thank you. Bye.
8: Thank you
2: you're waiting for us okay hey here we are
4: (laughs) last Um, meeting we jumped in and they were still there and we felt a little we were like hey (laughs) what's the the
2: etiquette okay cool all right so hi everybody you guys all probably did you get a chance to introduce yourselves to each other
8: that's what we're kind
2: of doing in between the session, there yeah yeah i see there's ricardo clancy Abby, Julia, Nick, and me and Wendell. Um, So, Ricardo, uh, you wanna say hi? Tell us uh, where you are, what you do. Hi there, I'm
10: Ricardo. uh, Originally from Panama, I'm right now in Panama. And um, I've been just looking forward to working, continue working with project-based language learning and uh, using different empowering students to become true
3: solutionaries.
2: Ricardo in Panama, good to meet you. Uh, Clancy, let me have you say hi.
3: Hey, I'm Clancy. I use he, him, his pronouns, and I'm from New Haven, Connecticut. And what do I do? I take care of my garden out back, growing some tomatoes, some eggplants. Um, I like to play music, too. And I think the question you're really asking is I teach sixth grade at a school over in Fairhaven, which is a, just like a a, na- a, a neighboring neighborhood (laughs) so yeah
2: sounds like a good life all right good good to meet you clancy uh abby let me have you say hi hi
9: there i'm abby french i am in woodstock virginia which about which is about 90 minutes outside of washington dc i teach sixth grade u.s history and i've been on a quest to just make teaching and learning much richer for all classroom participants, and uh, this is one of the ways. I'm really interested in the out-of-the-blocks of portion of this, global global youth media. So excited to work with you guys.
2: Good to meet you, Abby. Uh, Julia, let's have you say hi.
8: Hi, I'm Julia. I teach sixth grade language arts in Evergreen, Colorado. A huge believer and proponent of transformative pedagogy truly see the world as our classroom and am committed to connecting every kid I teach to his or, ho- his or her own journey in a powerful way. And I strongly believe that through global, global connections, obviously technology right now and always. I'm excited to be here.
2: Good to meet you, Julia. Uh, Nick, let's have you say hi. Yeah. Um, I'm Nick in Iowa.
11: Uh, I teach high school social studies. I'm also the creative director here at Human Restoration Project. And um, yeah, I'm just, I, I'm happy to facilitate, you know, a
2: conversation
11: and, and get some learning done with you all today.
2: Good to meet all you guys. So I'm Aaron. Wendell's here and uh, we're, we're, uh, we're over preparers. So we actually have a slide deck for you. So I'm going to figure out how to share my screen here briefly. We're going to walk you through uh, a couple of slides, and then we'll open it up for some Q&A stuff. I mean, uh, we're, basically, we're going to start just by talking about how we ended up kind of randomly discovering that this this documentary project, this podcast and radio show that we do, actually translates really well into an educational tool. We partnered up with uh, Inspire Citizens. Uh, they actually brought us to Seoul, South Korea, uh, last year for a week. Uh, and I want to take you through kind of what we worked on with students there before they headed out ultimately into the neighborhoods of their own city uh, to record interviews with uh, with strangers. Um, when we're working with kids, we tell them that, you know, this kind of thing, what they're about to do, to go out in the world with this sort of unusual mission, it's this mission to talk to complete strangers about their lives. Um, and it's weird, right? Like our parents tell us not to do this, uh, but but our point is that this can actually be a really kind of profound experience and a really fulfilling experience if it's done, you know, under the right safe and and supervised circumstances.
4: Yeah. So while we're talking uh, with you this morning, we're going to show you a a slideshow of some of the faces of some of the people we've met and interviewed. Um, So I do all of the music. I write an original musical score for each episode and also all the photography. Um, So these are some uh, of the photos that I've taken. Um, And so these are from Baltimore, Maryland, where we, we are currently. Uh, and then also from some of the other cities in the in the U.S. that we've been to. Uh, and The reason we want to show you these faces is because we've learned uh, something very profound about life from every single one of these people's stories. Um, so on this particular slide deck, you can see on the left, we have Pamela. And she told us the story of holding her mother's hand as she died. Um, in the middle is Michael. And he told us the story of getting shot in his face uh, and trying to control his urge to take revenge on the person who shot him. Uh, And then on the right is Kemi, and she told us a story about opening her own African restaurant after immigrating to the U.S. from Nigeria. So people share uh, some really profound and personal stories with us. It's amazing what people are willing to talk about um, if you are willing to to listen. So we talk with
2: students about this idea that, you know, what we do is is kind of a documentary leap of faith. It's rooted in this belief that everybody has got a story that's worth sharing, Uh, and we talk about, the the idea that our agenda is kind of a radical agenda, which is to say that we have no agenda. We just show up somewhere and we listen. Um, And and when we work with students, we we invite them to make that their agenda as well, to show up, to listen, to be present, and uh, to trust that there's a a story to be told and to learn from. Um, And I'm going to, I could tell, we could tell you bios about every single one of these people in every single one of these photos, but in the interest of uh, keeping things moving along here, I'll just do, a, I'll do a teaser for the podcast. You gotta listen to the podcast to find out who the rest of these folks are. And I'll let a uh, slide go to the next slide here one
4: Yeah. Um, so as Aaron said, we wanna you know in, uh, make sure the students know that there's, they should trust that there's a story to be told. Um, and then we ask students to think about the question about whose stories get, get told uh, and whose don't uh, and why that is. Um, and we let them know that this is their chance Uh, to go out into the world themselves and be the new answer to that question. Um, And really, they only need three things to get started. Uh, Those three things are courage, curiosity, uh, and empathy. And um, if they happen to have a a microphone and a camera uh, with them, that's helpful. (laughs) But you don't need those things to to get started in terms of having a meaningful meaningful conversation uh, with a stranger.
2: So we let students know that when when you do this kind of work out in the community when you meet someone someone that you want to interview the the first part of that encounter with that person really isn't about interviewing them um it's it's about introducing yourself and and in a sense letting that person interview you you know we tell students your job is first and foremost to really just be authentic about who you are uh, to be transparent about what you're there to accomplish you know who are you why are you there what do you hope to learn answer these questions before you know, you answer, ask any of your own questions. We, we talk about this idea that disclosure begets disclosure, you know, that, that honesty begets honesty.
4: Yeah. Um, so there's a saying that goes that when you share power, you gain new powers. Uh, and so we train kids that with each new person that they meet, um, they should ask that person, who else do I want to make sure that I meet uh, around here? And that's really one of the ways that, that our show works is um, you know, we, we'll have a list of people that we, uh, we have contact information for and scheduled interviews, but then those people will, will tell us who else in the community we should talk to. Um, and uh, so you know, we encourage students to, to, to do this as well because um, when they do this, they're being inclusive uh, and conscientious and immersing themselves in a network of organic relationships, which helps things move a lot more smoothly. So this
2: is kind of a daunting prospect for students or grownups,
4: um, and
2: and you know we, we talk with our students about the idea that in any group of people, you've got your extroverts and you've got your introverts. Anyone you, you know this? So you, some people the first time you meet them they'll share their life story with you. Other people they're going to keep you more at arm's length, um, and we we prepare students for for the fact that they're going to encounter some people who are. Going to be less talkative than others who maybe aren't going to want to have anything to do with them um and that that's okay that's that's natural that's human nature and don't take that personally that's part of this experience um and instead you know we really encourage students to to concentrate their time with the people who do sort of light up when they're proposed with this you know encounter um, people and they're you know they're, they'll be pleasantly surprised at, at the number of people who really do want to to share with them in, in really kind of profound and surprising ways?
4: So we train students to work towards two primary goals uh, in their documentary encounters. The first is uh, to think of uh, an audio-visual tour, right? so to collect a palette of different environmental sounds and images, um, and then also a description of what's behind those sounds and images uh, to help to create a sense of space. Uh, and then the second thing is uh, a compelling story. Which includes, uh, or these are two sort of um, things to shoot for an anecdote and a reflection.
2: Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk more about each of
4: these uh, elements
2: here briefly. Um, as far as the audio visual tour, um, you know, we train students that the more sounds and images that you can collect, the better. You've got your camera, maybe. If not, you've got a microphone at least. You can use that microphone like a camera. You can get close ups of certain sounds, you can get wide shots. Um, You can collect these sounds and after each sound, you can ask the person that you're talking with, you know, what are we hearing? Let them paint a picture with words to describe their space, what happens there. You can record a person just doing what they do and talking about what they're doing. Uh, You can record someone interacting with other people in their lives. Um, And you can end up with a really sort of a cinematic experience Um, by by using your microphone uh, as a camera.
4: Yeah, and so um, you know we like to stress uh, the idea that when you do an interview, uh, the questions that you ask are obviously important, um, but it's really listening to the answers to those questions is even more important. Um, and so you know we encourage students to think of an interview sort of like fishing, uh, where each question is like casting a line in the water, uh, and then you know you watch the bobber, which is you know, as you're listening to uh, the response. Um, you know, you'll get some nibbles to your questions and you want to keep casting, uh, but eventually you'll get a bite on one of those questions. And so, um, you know, you want to make sure that even if you have sort of a pre-existing set of questions, that you're focused on the response, because that can guide you to what you want to ask next.
2: So to, to continue the analogy, right, like you, you've got a beautiful fish on the line now, meaning someone has really opened up and begun telling you a meaningful, compelling, personal story about their life. And... We encourage students to think about this moment as, you know, you're still wearing the hat of interviewer, but you're listening actively. And you actually, at this point, you kind of want to switch hats and put on the hat of story coach. Um, There's a story there. You know there's a story there. And your job now is to really take your time with that person and, and, and help them in a way to tell that story well, to tell that story completely.
4: And so we mentioned before the two uh, main ingredients that we wanna sort of help students uh, uh, gather. Uh, one is an anecdote, uh, which is a sequence of actions that builds the m- momentum uh, and raises the questions that are gonna be answered. So stringing together a series of actions. So this one thing happened, and then that to this next thing happening. Um, so that doing that makes the audience feel like they're moving toward a destination. Um, and then the reflection equally important is the moment when someone clearly says um, or, or explains this is the point of this story.
2: We really um, kind of invite students to, to adopt the language almost of, of a movie director uh, at this point in a conversation and, and to really, uh, you know, you can ask a storyteller to you know, rewind. Let's go to the beginning of that story or that day. Um, set the scene. Tell me a little bit more about that. Um, You can invite a storyteller to, you know, oftentimes when I'm interviewing people, I'll say, let me, let me pause you there. Let's zoom in and really talk about uh, what was going through your mind at that moment. Um, You can, you can, you can really put into focus certain moments of a story. Um, It's like collecting multiple camera angles. Um, And you can do this by, you know, not being afraid to kind of control the conversation a little bit and ask Sometimes the same questions over and over again in in, in different ways and sele and kind of solicit different details along the way.
4: Yeah, and so um, for the reflection, uh, we you know we also train students to help their storytellers verbalize the significance of their stories. So um, again, sort of you know asking you know what what is the point, um, but in different ways. So you can ask you know the uh, interviewee, you can ask you know what do you think you learned from that experience. Uh, how did you know? How did that experience change you as a person, um, or what is the moral of the story? So there's different ways to sort of get to that um, ref- reflection moment uh, to get it, uh, to get the interviewee to express it clearly.
1: So we ask
2: a lot of different questions. We work with students to think about a lot of different kinds of questions that prompt people to tell stories. But really, we tell kids when you're doing work like this, every question you ask is essentially. Just another way of getting at one essential question, which is, you know, tell me a story about your life that helps me understand something important about about who you are as a person.
4: Yeah. And we talk about the fact that, uh, you know, sharing a story is you want to think of it sort of like planting a seed. Right. Um, Just like when you plant a seed, there's no way to know if anything's going to actually happen as a result. Um, But, you know, we can tell you, every single person who's been inspired to tell a story, I know this is true for me, um, that their inspiration came from them hearing a powerful story from someone else. And so, you know, for me, sort of my love of stories and, uh, and you know, hearing and, and telling stories came from listening to my dad tell me stories when I was a little kid. Um, and I think we all sort of recognize, um, you know, the, the power behind that. Um, and so we like to think that when student a student invites someone else to tell a story, that that student... Um, in a way, is paying something forward, and um, that that person, you know will hopefully extend the invitation down the line to the next person.
2: So there's a theory out there that it's the secret wish of the soul to be interviewed. Um, that no matter how skeptical someone might be, you know, at some level they're they're curious about about participating with you. And that and with students, what students are doing when they do this kind of work, we tell them is, is kind of getting people bat, past that initial skepticism, um, and in the process, I, I hope that these students learn, you know, that when when someone realizes that your your only agenda is to be a patient, active listener, there really is no limit to to what can happen next. People I have been really young people have been really surprised at the depth of experience that total strangers will share with them about their lives. Um, and, and hopefully they'll learn along the way that it's it's actually very deeply validating to have someone take a genuine interest in you as, as a person, no matter who you are.
4: Yeah. Um, and so there's a quote that I, I actually first heard from Aaron and I've heard, heard him say it many times, um, but that quote is that the universe is made of stories, not atoms. Um, and so we like to leave students with the idea that stories are the most important tool we have for shaping our reality. Um, and the reality of others, uh, frankly. Um, and that stories can put us in the minds, eyes, and hearts of other human beings. Um, you know, we all have examples of how stories uh, have created empathy. Um, and, you know, for students, this whole experience flexes that empathy part of their brains, and it's it's intimidating at first, and it does take courage uh, for them to do this. We've seen students sort of, um, you know, struggle with that initially, um, but, uh, you know, throughout, through the experience, um, you know, when we, when we see kids come back from the experience with their footage and their stories and sort of the success of having broken through that, uh, you know, sort of that barrier, um, of not being able to talk to someone initially, uh, they're really honestly, truly lit up inside. Um, and it's, it's just a huge, uh, a huge accomplishment for them. Um, and, you know, hopefully what they've learned is that, uh, even though they're in schools surrounded by really great teachers, um, that they can treat everyone that they meet as a potential teacher in that moment. Um, you don't just learn in school, but anybody who's telling you a story um, is teaching you something.
2: So, um, all right, I think I just unshared the screen. Is that correct? Are we all here? Okay. Um, so that's kind of what what we do and sort of what we learned about turning this into something useful for students. Um, we're We're happy to hear your thoughts, your reflections on, you know, sort of what you're doing in your own um, sort of educational environments to, um, you know, to, to broaden your students horizons, to get them out of their their classroom bubbles, if you will, um, to answer any questions you might have about, you know, why or how we do what we do. Um, I'm not sure how much time we have before we get shuttled along to our next portion of the of the morning, but we're all ears and the the floor is open. So.
9: I just want to say, um, well, hello, because I'm just a huge fan of what you do and why you do it. And um, I I have to say that, like thinking about uh, helping my students move into this, these, this role and this type of project is so empowering and so exciting. And I think that it speaks to just such authentic, real um, impact for their lives, for kids, you know, and and being able to connect with a subject, a person, developing empathy from it, developing connection, and and how that then reframes like how they see themselves and their community. You know, I wonder like with the, with everything going on with the pandemic, how that will impact this type of work, at least in the media, see, but I know there are certainly routes around that, but, um, I, I just want to get started doing this, whether it's students interviewing people in the school building as a community or, you know, on the campus. Uh, I think, you know, that's a place to start going, zooming in, going very, um, kind of localizing, and then, I don't know, I, I just want to do this. I want to support this platform.
2: Well, I'm, I'm grateful to hear your enthusiasm. And I can, I can tell you, it's not rocket science. Um, it's a it's a really simple idea and it can be done. You know, look, Wendell and I are, we're struggling with the social distancing world and it's totally ground to a halt, the normal formula of the way we do things. but we're figuring out ways around it and and having people record remotely uh we're you know first i think for students um you know you could actually you know if you think about yourself as maybe sort of an executive producer role where maybe you can look around as you say to the the people in your immediate educational environment who aren't on your teaching staff maybe they're on the janitorial staff maybe they're on the kitchen staff maybe they're in other supplemental transportation services or whatever, there's a a whole world of people that make a school work who aren't teachers, but who can be treated as teachers. And, you know, you can have them, you can record Zoom meetings very easily or other social media, you know, uh, or platforms where we're on with each other live. Um, So, you know, you could, I think very easily set up a situation where, you know, you reach out to these other folks in your educational community, or just in your daily life, you know, maybe it's the person you get coffee from in the morning, or maybe it's, so, you know, just someone in your place where you live, or in your own neighborhood, and say, hey, would you be interested in letting students interview you about life, I mean, you could probably get some people to to bite on that idea, um, and then, you know, set your students up in these sort of one-on-ones with them, and um, yeah, I, I, I think, um, Zoom, in a way, makes people kind of more available (laughs) than having to run all over town sometimes. (laughs) The ultimate sound quality, you know, is is a little more lo-fi, but it's actually kind of liberating.
9: Well, I think it's a way to look at it like, that's a great way to turn kind of a stumbling block into a stepping stone for sure.
8: Yeah. There's more access, really. Yeah, truly. Yeah, and now, um, hopefully you don't mind me piping in, but... Mm -hmm. As we start to question more the stories that are written down in books, and as we teach kids how to dig deeper into that level of inquiry, just the idea that we can shift the storytelling to an active, proactive actually experience of the world where we are using our own self-awareness to help kids tell their own stories and collect the stories of others that are just as valid Just as authentic, just as powerful as the stories that have been told over and over again in history. It just, this is such an access point for true voice and reflection about the power of story, the power of the single story, the power of who the heck did write down that story in history, and what is the story of like the first racist person, and how, like, there's just so much to connect well, to here. It's phenomenal. I'm really excited
9: about it. Being able to examine a single point or a single event or a single time right now, like this moment from different perspectives translates really beautifully to being able to examine, you know, this topic in U S history and understanding it's not a singular, there's not, it's not a singular story. There are multiple ways that we have to go about looking at it, like the stories.
8: For sure. Like who told that story? What was their bias? Why did they tell it like that? What are they bringing in? What's the context? Like all of that to just be able to see the microcosm and the macrocosm at the same time. Like this is how it's been in the past. And I wonder how can we use our own lenses to change that perspective now?
4: Yeah. Well, you know, for us doing the show, it's it's been, it's been amazing for me. Um, oftentimes when we'll have interviews with people that are that are older you know 67, 80, you know 90 and um, you know Aaron will, will ask them about specific times in their life and they will share stories that usually tie into some something of great great historical sort of global significance. And hearing those individual perspectives has then you know made me then go look look up about something that I really you know I, I'd studied I thought I knew about it but um, you know again hearing an individual's perspective, uh, can be really eye-opening, and I think, and you know, I'm I'm in my 40s, right? And so I I can imagine, you know, well, we can see, like when we when you have a a, a young student, you know, speak to somebody uh, who's been here for a really long time about uh, something that this, particularly something that they're learning about, um, right then and there, it it can be really transformative in a way that um, uh, you know that learn in a different way from learning in the classroom.
2: Yeah, make stuff. Um... That seems like it happened a long time ago when you read about it. Suddenly, seem much more immediate when you you know you're hearing from someone whose parent or whatever grandparent told them a story about their own life, and you know it's it's all of a sudden you're hearing a first person source connecting you with with something that seems so remote in a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I'm
3: curious what. Is it what the arc is from you two having never met students in a room to um, kind of like that first stage, if it exists of like, how, how do you, if they don't already know, how do, you, um, how do you welcome them to the power of story and finding their own story in a way? And, and is that a step in the process? Or do you, do you go immediately to, we're gonna go interview these people? Like how, how does that sort of internal, how do you help them internalize?
2: Right. Um, yeah, that's a great question. So we, you know, we've been at this a long time and we have a pretty big body of work. Some of it may be a little extreme to play for students depending on their age. but we have the stories we hear are all different kinds of stories. They're, you know, story, they are stories, tragic stories, they are triumphant stories, they're love stories. We, um, and so we have enough stories in our archive that we can sort of pick and choose some stories, um, maybe that lean toward younger storytellers, um, and share some excerpts of what we do um, as we talk about, you know, the idea of this, this documentary project of ours. So we'll share some excerpts, and then what we'll do is we'll invite students to um, uh, pair up and take turns interviewing each other. And the activity oftentimes that we'll do is we'll say, we're going to give you one story prompting question. And that's the only question you get. And you're going to interview this student, this this fellow student for four minutes, but you don't have a list of questions. You have one question. And the real challenge is to be a good listener and to figure out what the next smart follow-up question is to take that student either in another interesting direction or to invite them to speak in more detail about what they've just said to you. So it becomes this, ex- this uh, exercise in you know, flexing your active listening skills. Um, and for some students, the, that four minutes can seem like forever, but for other students, you know, we'll all come back together as a group after pairing off like that. Some students will say that time flew by, we had just really gotten, gotten started talking. Um, and those, you know, those um, those conversations sort of are 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 um, sort of an indoctrination into, you know, what they're going to then reach out and begin to do with with people maybe that they're not so familiar and comfortable with.
9: Hey, Aaron, yeah, do you, do you guys have <clears throat> excuse me uh, any resources about like first steps in class, like to do with kids or first steps that you uh, promote you found successful? Like, do you have those anywhere? Any?
4: Well, Aaron, do you want to talk about your deck? Oh, the deck, oh yeah, the deck of cards. Yeah,
2: there's a deck of cards. Where, I've got one here. We actually, this was a random little moment of inspiration, but we I, we made. Uh, this is a deck of playing cards, right? Like it's a normal deck of cards. You can. Uh, You can play poker or whatever you want with them, but on each card is a different ace I keep up my sleeve in my mental Rolodex of questions that prompt people to share stories about about their lives. Like this one says, you know, what mistake do you make over and over again? Here's, uh, you know, what can you do today that you couldn't do a year ago? And we, we, you know, we actually bring, you know, before you even bring out suggested prompts like this, you can really go through a brainstorming activity with students about like, what makes a good question? What kind of question really invites someone to tell a story about their life? There are, you know, obvious questions that are not going to go too far, which are like random informational yes or no questions. And then there are also questions that, you know, maybe we'll get Sort of vague philosophical answers from people that are kind of like mushy, squishy answers. Like, tell me your thoughts on, you know, the likelihood of world peace, right? But then there are those questions that really ask in not so many words, like, tell me a story about you, about your life, you know? What was your most recent lie? You know? What problem are you currently grappling with? So, you know, you can... You know, you can work with students to to come up with a a short list of good questions that do prompts. This uh, I'm running out of these. I got to reorder, but I've got you know I've got a small supply of these decks. I always give a bunch of them to Steve and uh, the Inspire Citizens folks. Um, so and you know it's it's also frankly they're they're web resources that you know you can you can probably Google you know conversation starting questions and you know, and sort of prepare yourself, stack your own deck, if you will.
9: I actually have that deck and I, I love those. Um, and I think like for Clancy, Julia, other teachers, like this would be an awesome, this would be an awesome way to start the year. You know, this would start start like set the tone for, um, the importance of reflection and the importance of listening to each other. Um, it just just hit me when you were talking about some of those questions. That's that's how I want to start it with my sixth graders this year.
2: They are definitely turbocharged conversation starters that get you beyond sort of the small talk. And I mean, if we all had started at the beginning of the session, answering one of those questions, instead of just saying our name and where we are and what we teach, we'd be, we'd be at a different place with each other sort of in, in terms of our understanding of each other. So, yeah, it's I mean, it's definitely diving feet first. Yeah,
3: Clancy. I sort of have a, a question that might generate a vague philosophical answer on your part, but it's just something I've been thinking about recently. Have you thought about like how do, like how the interplay between like vulnerability and equity, like at, if that comes up at all in in your work? Or like, I, I don't really know quite what I'm asking, but that's just something I've been thinking about recently. I'm curious if that hmm. resonates with just being around so many folks and. Uh, um, generating a vulnerable space. Uh,
2: I don't know. Wendell, you got thoughts on that?
4: Well, um, I, it, it's a good question. And it is, I mean, I I, I can appreciate the, the the vagueness of it. And so my, my answer might be equally vague, but I think it will somehow relate. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we do with our show is we don't well, first of all, we we, we we try to go places that don't get sort of, you know, a lot of coverage in general, uh, or if they do get coverage, the coverage often tends to be negative and very specific, um, when, you know, quite frankly, people are, are just, most people are just living their lives anywhere they happen to be. Um, and, uh, you know, so... Th- going to places and we we also try to go to places that we, we don't necessarily know well ourselves. Um, so there's a certain amount of vulnerability on our part just in terms of, you know, like it it, it takes it takes effort to put yourself somewhere where you yourself don't necessarily feel completely comfortable or you, or you don't you don't really know what sort of the outcome is gonna be. And then it requires vulnerability on the person of, of the you know the people that you're meeting to 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 open up to you. Um, you know it's it's one thing if you if you meet somebody or you have a conversation with someone at your local grocery store who you you know you've seen from time to time, it's another. If you're having a conversation with somebody who's never seen you before, doesn't know why you're there, maybe they think you're a police officer or you know someone from the city. You know, they they it it takes additional time to sort of break you know break down those barriers. Um, and uh, you know, of course, that's that's not time that that you know students or a school necessarily has. But um, when we were in Korea, for example. Uh, and we you know we took these students out after these initial steps that Aaron described where students interviewed each other. Um, uh, for them, this really, you know, yes, it was in their community, but these people were were total strangers. Um, and so they had to sort of deal with being vulnerable, vulnerable themselves. Um, and it was honestly, it was kind of fun to watch at times You know, there'd be sort of this group of five kids. And you'd see you know these people walking towards them, and you'd see them all sort of huddle up and say like oh i think we should talk to these people and by the time they got the confidence you know the people had walked past and then it was up to us to sort of explain to them that you know those people made eye contact they were curious about you as well you know they were interested in being vulnerable um and you know so then it got to the point where they would initiate conversation and sometimes people would then say you know we're not necessarily interested and then it got to the point where they were actually able to get people interested who had said that and so um, you know, I think it it, it, uh, it, it becomes sort of a, a much broader sort of human experience of, of interaction than just sort of like, you know, interview somebody and get a story. Um, uh, and another thing that I wanted to mention is, uh, so Nick, I saw you asked a question about the photographs. So those photographs are not student f- photographs. Those are, those are mine. But we did have students go out in teams um, with cameras as well, uh, which allows people to do you know, in a team to sort of play to their strengths, right? So you have, again, people that are more introverted, uh, uh, or extroverted, so that maybe they want to ask more questions. So we, try, you know, in my group, I know that I try to get everybody involved sort of in the interviewing process. But there are some people who, uh, you know, found that their sort of uh, skill was getting people to come over to the interviewed, sort of gathering people up, there were other people who, um, took photographs. There were other people who took, who actually did the interviewing. So they would switch off doing these different things, but they would then learn sort of what their strengths were, what they enjoyed doing the most. Uh, and then they would all come together at the end to sort of put together this project, which is similar to what you know Aaron and I do. We have our specific skills that we both bring to bear for this particular project. So it also inspires sort of this idea of, of, of teamwork. And then um, there's, there's lots of really great points of intersectionality that, that I think you know, the students can lock in on. That was equal, that was equally vague, was it not?
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was, it was.
4: But it, yeah, I th- it was I hopefully, I think it, hopefully <laughs> yeah. it relates to that.
3: Sure. Yeah, it was interesting to think about also the interplay between like speaking from wounds versus scars, Ooh. like, like with kids who aren't necessarily practiced interviewers, like asking questions, that's like, whoa, like I'm not. Like, that's, what he. I'm not telling you that. Or like, yeah, wondering, it can't be a totally clean process, right? Like, kids must come back and be like, shit, like, I asked this question I really shouldn't have or something. Like,
4: yeah, and I think that's fine. You know, I, I mean, I actually think that that's good. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure Aaron, you know, could tell you stories about things that that have gone great or or, or you know, uh, I mean, I remember, I remember when, we, when we were in. And where was it when we were speaking to that veteran? In, was it in Detroit? Was that Detroit?
11: Or Which St.
2: veteran?
4: The one who had nothing to say until you turned the microphone off. Oh that was St. right, St.
2: that was in St.
4: Louis. Yeah, and he was like ninety. Was he ninety two or something?
2: He was. Yeah, he was World War Two veteran, and but the whole time we were recording. <laughs> He was just kind of humming and hawing and <laughs> said a couple of platitudes and and we just sort of were like "Well, this is kind of a bust and we thanked him and turned off the microphone and then what he started telling us <laughs> basically about like saving an entire platoon and <laughs> so you know some it, there's always the you know the, the the you know the fact of making a recording of something is always going to change that interaction as well and that's something that's an interesting thing for thing an interesting thing for students to learn as well. So I think we're getting, I think we're probably like uh, hanging on longer than I think the rest of the group might be in a, like a a wrap-up chat right now. Um, So I guess you guys have a link to some sort of, what does it say, asynchronous something or other?
11: (laughs) Yes. And and Aaron, I can I can tackle that, too, because I've been I've been talking to, to Chris just separately. So I think the idea is that as participants, we can just dismiss like from here um, and as uh, session uh, leaders, you guys can go to the, the session leader room um, just to kind of break down some things, uh, with Chris and, and, and post some materials and stuff. But then I think we would ask if we want to continue the conversation, I mean, continue that on Twitter. Uh, you guys are at, um, at out of the blocks one, I think there's a one on the end of that too. Right. Um, and, and then if, if you all want to join, I posted a link to uh, a discourse, which is basically an online, um, uh, message forum. Um, so a lot in the ways, um, that uh, we got the padlet from the other session here too. So it's almost asking the, the same questions. Cause, cause great minds think alike, I suppose. Um, just just prompting, you know, what platforms or organizations can we utilize to help us engage in this work? How do we coach students through this process to make meaningful change? How do we introduce activism and promote student voice in a hybrid virtual environment? So just ways that we can move beyond the 240 or 280 characters of Twitter um, and actually have a, a conversation in the discourse. So you might have to create an account on there, but if you want to continue that asynchronously after this, then I think that's it. But otherwise, um, man, what a, what a powerful set of conversations today! So thanks, thanks, uh, Aaron and Wendell for for sending us off into the end of the weekend, thinking about uh, the power of stories.
2: This was a cool way to start the day. I'm I'm glad to to meet all you guys and uh, and uh, excited for you and uh, wishing you well uh, as you get ready to start this. Uh, I'm sure extremely unusual school year. Good luck with it.
11: Absolutely. Thank yeah. you so much.
4: All right. Take care, all Thank, Thank you all so much.
1: Yeah. Take it easy. Bye.
4: Bye. Bye.